Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. We have a good show for you guys today. Of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins begin their back-to-back games tonight at MSG. They have one tonight and, of course, one on Saturday evening as well against the New York Rangers. Big, important stretch of games as we say every time we come on here right now, because considering where the Penguins are at in the standings and considering the teams they're about to go up against over the next couple weeks, it's going to be an important stretch until the week is over. Four weeks from today is the last Pittsburgh Penguins regular season game. So by that time, hopefully they have a playoff spot locked up and they are already clinched, but it's not a given. Of course, Horwat. the Penguins sit in a good spot right now with the math. We'll talk today about Tristan Jari's struggles, how important it is for him to get back on the right track. We're going to talk a little bit about Sam Poulin as he returns to the organization. We're going to talk about the way that this team has been playing over the past couple of weeks and what we expect as to whether or not they can keep it going. And then, of course, the defense took a couple major injuries on Tuesday. We'll discuss that as well at the end of the show, but... Let's start off with Tristan Jari Horwat. Couldn't buy a save on Tuesday. Four goals allowed on seven shots. And we all understand that he wasn't being given the best help in front of him. A lot of defensive breakdowns in the first period by the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. But at the same time, you have to do better than a 400 save percentage. Even if the team does break down eventually, you got to save at least one or two of those, right? Yeah, yeah, you have to. You're, you're facing off against a team that was coming in on a seven-game losing streak. They just got pumped eight to something the night before. The night before, not even a couple nights before. No, the night before. So they traveled in from, I believe, from Montreal, which mm-hmm. uh, is kind of a hike. Um, you got that. You have to take care of business there. That goes to everyone. That goes to everyone, not just Tristan Jari, who needed to make a few more saves than he did. He saw seven shots. When you are a starting caliber goalie in the NHL against a team like that and you face seven shots, this is just on paper, you should be making all seven saves. You should be making all seven saves. That's the beginning and the end of it. That's the long and the short. He made four. Right? Three. Sorry, he made three. Let me do my math correctly. He gave up four because, you know, neither of those numbers are huge. Well, the goals against is. That's a big number for 20 minutes. But seven shots is not a lot of shots to face, man. That's not. That's under 500 level stuff right there. Mm-hmm. And Jari's got this knack for giving up goals in the first five shots he faces. He's been doing it all season. Remember that weird trend whenever he would give up a goal in the opening minute, yet we'd still come back to win? Those were good times. Now we give up that goal in the opening minute and we go, why can't this man make a save? This has gone on for too long. The volatility on this team has gone on for too long. I get him harping on the goalie for something that, again, the defense in front of him should have also been on their game a little more. But at the, in the same vein, you got to make saves. You have to make saves. And the idea that, like Sullivan said afterwards, that he's still trying to get up to speed. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's, it's, he's been back for two weeks, first of all. Secondly... Um, what do you mean he's still trying to get up to speed then? What yeah. do you mean by that? Because apparently, you have to remember, he's also not dealing with injuries anymore. 
He's good from a health standpoint, but he's still trying to get up to game speed. It is hard to do that when we don't have practices. Well, you canceled practice 20 minutes after saying that. I don't know. The Jari thing is getting weird. We discussed it with Hunter Hodes in an interview that you will all hear tomorrow. But uh, this is it's getting questionable. It's getting really, really questionable now. That was my question as well. I mean, we, we talked to Rob Rossi in the week of the trade deadline, and he said, listen, guys, I'm not sure he's ever really going to be 100% healthy this year because that hip injury is going to make a lot of things that a goaltender has to do, a lot of ways that he has to move his body, a lot of things that he has to do when standing up and getting back down and standing in the butterfly. It's going to make a lot of those things harder. At the very least, he's going to have to get used to using those muscles again because he had to rely on different muscles when he was dealing with that nagging hip injury. And he's not wrong, and you can see it plain as day, so I'm glad the question was asked because I had the same question in my head watching that game on Tuesday is, is this guy still injured? Like, clearly he's not 100%, but is he still actually injured? And the Penguins just couldn't afford to continue to put that much pressure on Casey DeSmith. So I'm glad the question was asked. And like you mentioned, this is the full quote here. Mike Sullivan, after the game on Tuesday, says he's fine from a health standpoint. We're trying to get him up to speed here on the fly. It's been a bit of a challenge. We're working on it, trying to get him reps in practice. And you mentioned they cancel practice immediately after that, which is kind of counterintuitive if you ask me, and obviously if you ask most people. But I would almost rather it be that he's injured at this point because the alternative is it's taking him 10 games and third, like two weeks to get back up to speed. It's not like he missed four months. I get he missed a month and a half. It's going to take some time to get back from that. But nine games? And you're telling me that's still the issue? If it's nine games later and he's still at the speed that we saw on Tuesday, then there's a bigger problem than his injury. So you would almost rather it be that Tristan Jari is still dealing with this hip injury than the alternative, which is it's taking him this long to ramp back up. Are you kidding me right now? Here's the thing about that. Because if, if you'd much rather him be injured, okay, well, now we know he was injured. Why didn't Ron do anything? The tra- he, was, he was injured for the trade deadline then, if that's the case. Then he was hurt, and we knew he was injured, and he knew he wasn't 100% when the time to make an addition was there. Now, all of a sudden, you're not angry at Tristan Jari. You're, you're, you understand. Like, oh, you're still hurt. There's nothing much you can do about it. Injuries happen. It's sport. We've seen it. People's careers have been ended from injuries. Now the attention and the anger turns to Ron and it goes, why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you do anything? This was an issue we had last year heading into the playoffs. You, according to, you know, a lot of people, including Ron Hextall, the GM and the coach have discussions every day. You don't think at some point during the process, hey, my goalie is still hurt and I don't want to put DeSmith in a starter. Don't you think the GM, who was a goalie, would have just stepped in and maybe made some sort of move to get the 1B that we wanted so badly, or that I wanted so badly? Don't you think? Because now, like, now who are we pointing anger toward? Or was one of those discussions, my goalie's good, go make the move for a defenseman? Well, I think also part of that you have to look at is how many goalies got moved to the deadline this year? It was well, two. Figure something out, for each other. I mean, you're they right. Were, but- it was for each other. It was, what, it was Corpusalo. For Quick, and then Quick didn't want to be in Columbus, and they sent him to Las Vegas, and he's has a 930-plus save percentage in Las Vegas in four games. So that he's looking pretty good there. Um, I understand your your anger and your, your point that you're making here, but at the same exact time, if it wasn't going to be one of those two guys, who else was out there on the market? Like, is Cam Talbot that much more 
right now than than a Casey to Smith Tristan Jari duo. Like I liked Cam Talbot and the idea of Cam Talbot, but what was the price tag? Like what are you gonna pay for a, a pending UFA that's realistically? And at the end of the day, we had this discussion already. If you're resorting to that, you're probably not going to win in the first place. Right. So you need Tristan Jari to be the guy to do anything this season. Now, I understand. The biggest issue is Hextall didn't address it last offseason. And he hasn't addressed it in three years. Mm -hmm. Right? This is the goaltending duo that he came in with when he was hired as GM. And he has done bubkiss to help it. In fact, he's made the situation a little bit worse in including Callie Klang in the trade last year for Ricard Raquel. Now... Nobody's going to go back and say, you know, we'd rather have Clang than, than Raquel because Clang wouldn't be ready at this moment in time. But as far as the goaltending situation is gone, Ron Hextall's idea was basically to do nothing about it. I mean, he brought in Louis Dominguez the third string last year. He brought in Dustin Tokarski as the third string this year. That's basically nothing, right? That's That's basically nothing. So he hasn't done anything, and his entire philosophy in net has been let's trust Tristan Jari and hope that he can get it together. And it's not unfounded because when Tristan Jari is playing well, this team succeeds, plain and simple. Alan Saunders put out a tweet on Tuesday following the game that when Jari is over a 900 save percentage in games this season, the Penguins are 18-2-2, practically unbeatable. When Jari is under a 900 save percentage in games that he plays this year, the Penguins are 3-6-4. 3-10. That is so drastic. And it's so obvious that you need Tristan Jari to be that guy. But the problem is, if he's not injured, and your, your excuse is that he's not up to speed yet, is he ever going to get up to speed at this point? Like, you can say, yeah, if he gets... I mean, the Penguins have what, four weeks we said left? And they yep. have 18, 17, 18 games left? It's like 15, that's a lot of games. But still, that's a, that's a lot of games. That's more games than you have off days at this point. So, if he doesn't get up to speed by the end of the season, then he's not going to get up to speed. And if he hasn't at this point, because he's played a lot of games, since Fe February 20th, he's played nine games, and he's not up to speed, that's a problem. And it's not just the fact that you know, he's not the speed. He's not quite on his game. He's awful. He has been awful. 4.21 goals allowed average. 863 save percentage in nine games. He's been pulled three times in nine games as well. 30 goals allowed since returning. Again, in nine games. It's not that he's uh, not just not quite there yet. You know, something's a little off on him. There's a lot off with Tristan Jari right now. And if it's not injury then what are we doing here? Because we need, as as a team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they need Tristan Jari to be at the top of his game if they have any hopes of making it to the playoffs, let alone making any noise once they get there. But the Tristan Jari we've seen since February 20th is not only going to make them miss the playoffs, but it's going to make them miss the playoffs by a decent margin. And similar to how this season has gone, it would be a blown lead fashion in the late stages of this entire season. Penguins have blown leads all year. They have a massive lead right now. Not a massive lead, but they have a substantial lead right now on the wild card. If they blow it again and miss the playoffs, it would just be poetic and apropos for this season. 
but you don't want to see that because the rest of the team, as we'll get to in the second segment, is performing fairly well. So it, it, at the end of the day, it's up to your goaltending, and he's just not good enough. And the one last thing I'll say, and I put this on Twitter this morning, minus 8.26 goals allowed, or goals saved above expected. Minus 8.26 in nine games. So he's practically allowing one goal more than he should in every single game that he's played since coming back from injury. And that places him 74th among 75 NHL goaltenders to play since February 20th. The only one worse is Capo Kakinen from San Jose. <sighs> Not a good sign for Tristan Jari. Nope. Nope. And, you know, this whole discussion of, you know, should Ron Hextoff made a trade? Did we know he's hurt? Is he doing this? Is he doing that? Uh, genuinely, the entire time you were talking, I was listening, but also pulling up just to make sure we still had the rights to Joel Blomquist because this is getting out of hand. Like, but he's not ready. Uh, no, but <laughs> now I'm thinking down the line, it's and it's coming up to the idea of, okay, this summer, what do we do? Do we just get a stopgap to kind of just wait for our possible top goalie prospect to maybe turn into something? Do we go out and you know, pull in Freddie Anderson for a couple of seasons. Again, maybe Joel Blomquist pops in as a backup, proves his worth, does this, that, and the other in a couple years. None of this is, by the way, regarding Blomquist talking about doing next year. Hell no. Maybe put him in the A next year, let him figure out the the North American game. That being said, though, I just all of a sudden had these thoughts of, man, Tristan Jari's not going to be here next year. <laughs> like It's getting down to the point of, he's in a contract year. <clears throat> What truly can he make? Do we give him a bridge one more time? Like, all right, one last time. Here's a year or two. Do the thing. If not, we're doing something else quickly. It's getting out of hand. Mm -hmm. See, I still think you go back to that well. Because for two reasons. One, I think when you look around the league, there's not many answers in free agency. You're going to probably have to make a trade to get anybody of, of real substance. You mentioned Freddie Anderson. That's basically trading an apple for a, a Granny Smith apple, like a red apple for a Granny Smith apple, because Freddie Anderson can't stay healthy either. It's the same exact thing, just a, a more experienced netminder that also has not performed well in the postseason. So oh, look I, at the I, team he was playing with, though. I, I don't. I really don't care. Look at the team he's joining. Toronto, uh, Toronto to uh, Carolina. I know I know what you're talking about. Look at the team he was playing with. He was playing with Toronto. But look at the team that he would be joining, the Pittsburgh oh, Penguins. Right, right, Have I they had much doing. playoff success lately? No. They can't really rely upon that. This team is vastly different from the one that won the Stanley Cup in 2017. Okay, hold on. No so the thing with that, though, is look at the team he's joining. What was our downfall in those last two seasons? Goaltending. Yeah, well, okay. You your, your point is... This it is kind of moot because what is Freddie Anderson shown that he can't do? Play goalie in the playoffs. So it would be the same thing. That's what I'm saying. It's this bringing in a guy that has the same issues that Tristan Jari already has. And Jari is younger. Trust me, with this season and the way that he has performed and not really proven anything of, of true substantiated worth, he's probably cheaper. The only question is going to be how many years does he want? I don't think he really has much leverage as far as, hey, I want a five, six-year deal. It's like, no, <laughs> you don't get that. You haven't proven to be worth that. You've been injured. This is a chronic hip injury that you've dealt with the entire season, and now you're the worst goalie in the league over the past four weeks. Like, you're not getting five years. That's not happening. So, to me, you still have the best 
answer in front of you with Tristan Jari. Now, behind him is where you need to answer some questions. Because Casey to Smith, albeit we'll talk about it in the next segment, playing pretty well since since Jari came back and DeSmith was bumped down into the backup role. That's all he is. And if you're going to go forward with Tristan Jari, somebody that could get injured once again, you need a better contingency plan than Casey DeSmith when that happens. That's that's the area that I think the Penguins need to adjust in the offseason, and we'll have plenty of time to discuss that. But I, I think the biggest thing is, with Tristan Jari, he is still the highest ceiling guy available on the market this summer. And if he's healthy, I said it earlier from Alan Saunders, 18-2-2 when he's over 900 in a game. That's not 930. That's not 920. That's 900. That is basically below league average at this point. If he hits that mark, the Penguins almost automatically win. I think he is more than more than capable of doing that. And we, we talk about the injuries and it's an issue. But at the same exact time, we talked about the injuries with Jason Zucker. We talked about the injuries with Evgeny Malkin. You have to give these guys an opportunity to change the narrative. And especially if you can get a contingency plan behind Tristan Jari, it's a pretty good guy to put your money in, put your faith in. Because when he is healthy, he's very good. Yeah. So I was also looking at uh, who his, who Jari's agent was, seeing if we're going to get robbed anyway. Uh, <laughs> very that's... important. Very important as well. That can't be a part of it. Because with certain agents, you just see the name and you go, oh, we're screwed. Uh, this yeah, is one's... it Alan Walsh? No, it's Craig Oster, uh, who... Uh, we still might get robbed a little bit. His agents or his uh, players include Eric Carlson, Mark Stone, both Kachuk brothers. Uh, I think this is probably the agent that got Sam Reinhart six and a half million dollars somehow, some way. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna get robbed. I think Patrick Hornquist is on here. Really fun. I just kept scrolling because I was really curious as to who else was on this list. Callie Klang is on this list, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it all comes back around. It um, doesn't. It? But before we close the book on this. I want to ask you a question because, I mean, I don't I don't have the answer to this. I don't expect you to have the answer to this. But just a gut feeling. Do you think we see Tristan Jari revert to his top form again this season? I think so. I do think so. I, he showed that he has it still somewhere. That New York game was pretty impressive. Especially that third period where, yeah, there was that... Let, we, have, we didn't even touch on the missed call that happened to Malkin, but we don't need to anymore. That was a while ago. Um, aside from that play, the defense... Uh, in front of him was pretty horrid and he was making some pretty important stops all over the place Chris Kreider put one into his knees and he got a little help from Jan Ruda but um, regardless I think you can see that he's still there that game it looked like he was fully healthy it really did so it's hard to really pinpoint where he is health wise I would say he finds something he goes on a nice run and <clears throat> proves to be worth something because here's the thing I, I know i said next year we're probably gonna have a different starting goalie i bet jari's back next year i really do because we've seen this pattern from ron hextall of jari's my guy jari's my guy then the pattern of uh not doing anything to change and just keeping what you have and just shuffling deck chairs i'd say that's a big enough piece that doesn't get shuffled so whether you like it or not i know pittsburgh's a big big run goalie out of town city <laughs> i we might beg for it the fans might beg for it i don't think he's going anywhere i bet he does something enough to pull this team into the playoffs and then ron hextall does enough to sign him to a new contract somehow some way
yeah, what that contract looks like uh, is is what remains to be seen. But I do agree with you. I think he does get a new contract. I do think he's in Pittsburgh next year. I don't know who's behind him or what happens with Casey to Smith's deal. Like we know, obviously, that he has one year left. But as far as seeing him revert to his top form again, if he's healthy right now, if if we actually take the word of Mike Sullivan and he is healthy right now, he's not reverting to his top form. We're not seeing him at the all-star level. If he's not healthy, I could see him getting eventually back to where he is by trying to recover a little bit from that hip and, and hopefully getting better as time goes on. But if he is healthy right now and you're still ramping up in air quotes, you know, I don't think you're going to see it because if he's not healthy right now, then it's mental, right? It, it's, it's a mental thing because if the injury is not present, certainly still looks like it is, Right? Part of it's net front. The defense in front of him has, has not been great. A lot of goals have been coming in within that radius right there, which is the crease. But part of it is, and it's very little nuanced things, and it might be something that I'm seeing and, and taking too much into. It seems like he's struggling to cover the puck, and it also seems like he's struggling to move side to side. He's a little delayed, and his reactions are a little bit slower. But again, it might be something with I'm seeing it and just associating it with the hip injury, but it seems as if he's a little bit slower on some of his movements. And that could be one of two things. One, he's still injured, which you can only do what you can do. Or two, he's healthy and he's still worried about that injury and it's mentally slowing him down. And that's when I get into a little bit of a worry about whether or not he's ever going to find that form again, where he's at the top of his game this season. I'll chalk up the not, uh, not great at covering the puck too. That man just likes playing it. That man yes, just but, that man just wants to keep that puck loose, get some passes in, and then uh, absolutely blow it most times. Yeah, but it, it's not when he's not covering the puck and playing it. It's just failing to get to the puck to cover it before the other team. That's what I'm I'm saying. Right. So I don't know what it is. You think he he's gonna get back to his form again? I hope that he does, and I think there's hope that he does. Yeah. Like I, I do have hope that he does as well. But if it's not an injury. I'm a little concerned about how long it's going to take him to find his game again and get those mental hurdles cleared. Because if that's what the deal is, that's a much tougher thing to diagnose and to prognosticate than an injury. So we'll see what happens with, with Tristan Jari. We've gone a little longer than we expected on it, but he's the goaltender. He's the starting goaltender. And as we talked about earlier, 18-2-2 when he's good, 3-6-4 when he's bad. Clearly, he is the linchpin to this team's success going forward. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, a little bit about Sam Poulin and a lot about the way the rest of this team has performed over the past couple of weeks. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Now brought to you by the Hockey News. If we haven't told you that already, I believe we have. Uh, now you know. We are under the parent company of the Hockey News. If you work at Google, uh, definitely let your bosses know. But uh, we move on, and we talk about Sam Poulin. As he announced on his Instagram page yesterday that he is going to be returning to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. He left the organization back in December for personal reasons. But yesterday he posted on his Instagram, here is exactly uh, what he had to say. Quote, three months ago. I made a decision to take a break from hockey and return home to take care of myself and my mental health. 
After seeking the help I needed, I am now ready to return to Wilkes-Barre to rejoin my team. I want to thank everyone who helped me get through this difficult time, including my family, my girlfriend, my friends, my medical team, the entire Pittsburgh Penguins organization, my teammates, and the fans, those who showed me unconditional love and support. I strongly encourage everyone to speak openly about mental health because it affects us all. For those who may be struggling, please know you are not alone. We have talked about this countless times in front of a microphone. Me and you have talked about it countless times mm -hmm. in person, over text. It is a stigma that still exists today, and it, it's crazy that it still exists, that it's not good to talk about your mental health. You need to. And Sam Poulin, I commend him in a very high-pressure situation. The guy was playing in the NHL late last year, and he steps away from the game. He needs to do what's right for him before what's right for anybody else. And we commend him for that because that is – it sounds so simple, Horwat, but it is a truly difficult thing to do in practice, especially when you're playing a professional sport as well because the lights are brighter, you're – your personal life is more public than most other people in the world. So to be able to do that, we commend Sam Poulin. We're happy that he got the help that he needed, and we're excited to see him back out on the ice for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Yeah, it's it's one, you know, a lot of people say like, he plays professional sport, he doesn't need to worry about that kind of thing. Man, the mental will get to anybody. The, the brain is not figured out completely. Let's just tell it like it is. And not only that, the kid's got pressure on him. He's... A team, the, the the prospect pool isn't great, but he is an NHL fran or a NHL franchises, whatever the correct term is, top prospect. That's pressure, buddy. Like, that's good on him for taking the step away uh, and focusing on focusing on himself and trying to do right by himself, trying to get himself in the right mindset. And none of that can be easy. And sure, he. Didn't, he probably didn't want to, right? Probably didn't want to take that step away because uh, you want to do the thing you're doing, but you just knew you had to for your own betterment. And that's, it's all commendable. It's all uh, good stuff on his part. And we're all happy to see him back and better. I don't know. I don't know if we see him back in the NHL this year, but I'm sure soon enough, you know, uh, for those curious about his NHL future next year, without doubt next year, he'll be back again. I just think, I just don't know what, where he stands this season. Uh, on either on either team just because uh when you're gone for that long you know you do we're, we we just talked about Tristan Jari being gone for a month or so with an injury uh and still trying to get the game speed Poulin it might take a minute to get back to speed but I mean it's he'll come back and he'll be back in the league at, at least next year mm -hmm. for the NHL yeah. at least I, I fully expect him to come into training camp wanting a roster spot on the NHL roster and it's not out of the realm of possibility I mean Mikhail Granlin right now is the third line center but as we've seen Granlin can move around the lineup so it's certainly an opportunity will be there for Sam Poulin next season and I talked about it and I mentioned it on Monday when I did a Penguins to go about Chris Letang and how he should be the Masterton Trophy winner this year I said the two biggest areas of this sport where you open yourself up for you know people to go against you you open yourself up to people being really hard on you is when you sign a new contract which is chris letang's case or when you're a top draft pick whether that be the first overall pick or whether that be a first round pick in general there is some weight that comes with being a first rounder 
that once you become a second rounder, like once you're a second round pick, that weight is drastically lower. Now there's still pressure. There's pressure on everybody. Like they're performing as a job. If they don't perform, they don't get paid. That's tough enough. But there's also this added weight of being a first round pick that Sam Polan is dealing with. Sidney Crosby dealed with it as, as the 1.1. Evgeny Malkin dealt with it as the 1.2. Chris Letang was a later draft pick, but when he gets into the rhythm, he signs those contracts, that's when you open yourself up to skepticism. So it's the same thing for Poulain. A first-round pick, there's going to be ex expectations that come with it, but I'm glad that Poulain is prioritizing himself, and I think at the end of the day, that's going to make him a better person, it's going to make him a happier person, which is the most important thing. And it's also going to make him a better player. Playing free from that stuff is going to make him better. So it's nothing but fantastic that he was able to take that time for himself. And obviously, credit to the Pittsburgh Penguins organization on giving this man the time and resources that he needed. And I'm excited, like I said, I'm excited to see him play. I'm excited that he's back. I'm excited that he feels better. That's the most important thing. Because at the end of the day, he's a human being, and we care about him in that aspect more than we care about him as a player. And that's how it should be across the board. So, shout out to Sam Poulin. Excited to see what he's able to do. Three months off, like you said, probably not going to see him at the NHL level. Yeah. But he'll have an opportunity when he shows up to training camp next year, and I'm excited to see what he does with it. Yeah. Let's talk more about the team at the NHL level now, because we all remember the embarrassing game against the Edmonton Oilers. Like, right? That was... That was the breaking point, it seemed like, for this team. Blown out on February 23rd, but 7-2-1 since that game, despite the poor goaltending from Tristan Jari. DeSmith, on the other hand, like I said earlier, he's better. 9.32 save percentage in that time, 2.09 goals allowed average, and 4.61 goals saved above expected. Very good numbers from Casey DeSmith. Now, don't misconstrue me, Casey DeSmith should not be the starter. He should not be getting more starts because of this. Casey DeSmith is performing this way because he's in the proper role. So keep him in that role and be happy that you have a good backup goaltender because that's what he is. He's good backup. Not a 1B, not a starter. He's a backup. So he's controlling his play very well. The Penguins as a whole are controlling the game at 5-on-5. 56% of the shot attempts since then at 5-on-5, five 60% five, of the expected goal share at 5-on-5 five five since that time, both top five in the National Hockey League. So they're playing well at 5-on-5. Five five. Special teams has been better. 10th best power play since then at 23%, and the 14th best penalty kill since then at 80%. You're in the top half of the league in both. That's where you want to be. So for all intents and purposes, this team has performed better. Their talent is shining through, but it still feels, and we'll talk about this more too tomorrow with Hunter Hodes and get his aspect on this, it feels like they haven't torn in a corner when they lose games like they did against Montreal, when they lose games like they did against New York, and when they barely win a game like they did last Tuesday against Columbus. So what's the deal, Horwat? Is this a good team? Is this a bad team? Is this a good team that's performing poorly, or is this a bad team that's performing past expectations? So what's really fun is we've been trying to answer this question since October. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Since what is what are the Pittsburgh Penguins? Nobody knows. We do not know. It's it we shouldn't be at this we shouldn't be at that point in mid-March. We shouldn't be. We <laughs> There's a month left of the season and we're still having the discussion of what is this team? What is this team's identity? Is it a 
good team who can do this? Is it a bad team that has this going for it? Is it a... Uh, like, every most of the other teams in the league, you can kind of run down and say what they are. The Boston Bruins. Well, they're the best team in the league this year. Boom, bar yes. none. Let's move along. The Carolina Hurricanes. They're a team that's got their skill. This is their year to finally prove that they have it. The Devils. This is their, oh, look at you year. You know, teams like Chicago. This is your, we're going for the Connor Bedard year. Uh, <laughs> the Ducks are the team of, well, we can't win anything. And we're probably not even going to win the draft lottery because the league doesn't like us. The Penguins, we don't have this identity yet, somehow, yeah. some way. It is tur- It is the, uh, what are we doing here? We got to figure something out. It is. There's a month left of the season. We've been trying to figure out if this team is good or not since March or October. It's now March, and we don't know what's going on. We've identified problems all season. None of them got addressed until it was too late, and they got addressed in a way that we can say is a net positive, but not by much. They they crammed like a, a senior in college on finals week. That's that's basically what they did. Hey, and you know what? If it works, sometimes that works. So sometimes <laughs> that works. Worked for me. We ha- yeah, exactly. Sorry, we Mark. haven't we haven't seen if it works yet. We're still waiting on the final test. We're still waiting on the finals. We're still cramming. Uh, but you know, net positive change was made. Not much, but positive. And then two of the three got hurt, so there goes that. Um, that being said, though, it's uh, is this team good? Is this team good? I think the team's good. I think mm-hmm. this is a good hockey team. They're gonna make the playoffs. I mean, the math is in their favor. They were they, at this point. It's almost it's getting to the point, which is a good point to be at, where they have to try to lose to not make it. Uh, once it's not there yet, but it's uh, it's getting there at least. That's a good sign, right? We're getting there. We're probably going to make it for the 17th straight season, which, hey, you know what? That's good. That's a start. That's a number that we can rely on. Uh, I just, it's hard to say. this. I, I think this team's good. I don't know if it's great. Hmm. How about that? Just because yeah. that bottom six is still questionable. The core won't let this team die. The goaltending has too many questions. The defense might now just be torn to shreds again. <laughs> yeah. Again, get ready for the def- the defensive uh, stylings of Chad Ruedel and possibly Mark Friedman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting run for the last month of the year. Yeah. We said four weeks from today is the last game of the regular season. And we still have to ask the question. <laughs> we both have the same answer, Horwat, because I'm also going to say this is a good hockey team. It is. It is a good hockey team. They fall off at key moments is the biggest issue, Right. They struggle to set the tone early. And even when they do, they set the tone early on Tuesday against Montreal. They just fell off. Defensive breakdowns. Stupid mistakes. Which you would think, you know, everybody loves to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins have the oldest team in the National Hockey League. Old and and wise aren't exactly always paired together. We've seen that. Stupid mistakes from some of the veterans on this team. Jeff Petrie on Tuesday before he went down with injury. Brian Dumlin on countless occasions this season. Jeff Carter has made some stupid mistakes. Heck, Evgeny Malkin can make some of, and so same goes with Chris Letang, can make some of the most boneheaded plays that you have ever seen. The difference in Malkin and Letang is they're talented enough to make up for it. Whereas a Dumlin, all you can do is go back into your, your, your stylings 
and try to prevent that from happening again. Whereas Malkin and Latang can actually go back and make up for it. Petrie tried to do that on Tuesday and just overextended himself and cost the Penguins a goal. So they make stupid mistakes and they can't close the door on teams. That to me is an issue that is biting them in the butt more so this season than ever before. 17 blown leads in the third period this season. One of the teams in the league that have done that the most. But it's their own fault, right? It's not these other teams are coming to play. The Penguins are turtling. You ever notice how when they get a lead going into the third period, they don't normally score in that third period. It doesn't happen very often. You know why? Because they don't try to. They're so hyper-focused on not giving up the goal, not giving up the goal, don't allow the opportunity, don't allow the opportunity, that they completely forget that there's another part of that game where you should still be trying to score goals. It's a balance that every team has to find. And historically, the Penguins have always leaned towards let's protect the net front versus let's go out there and just blow the doors off this team in the third period when we have a two-goal lead already. Because yeah, that first goal happens, and then what do you see? This Penguins team has been on their back feet a little too long. It takes them a second to get started, and by the time that happens, this other team has so much momentum that they're pressuring you on every single shift, and the Penguins give up the lead. That's the issue. It's a good team that gets in its own way. I said they're 7-2-1 and one in their last 10 games since the Edmonton game. Two of their three losses... They obliterated their opponent on the ice and still lost the game. The Islanders lost. You had a 3-1 to one lead going into the third period. You had 53% of the shot attempts in that game. You had 69, a, such a nice percent of the expected goals in that game. And you lost it because you turtled in the third period. The Canadians lost. Oh my God, they, they controlled the Canadians way more than they even controlled the Islanders. And they went down 4-2 to in the first period. They blew the doors off that team throughout the remainder of the game. Why? Because they never had a lead again. They played from behind or tied, so they continued to force the issue. 74% of the expected goals in that game. At the end of the day, Sam Montebo had to stand on his head, and the one opportunity, the one singular opportunity for daylight the Montreal Canadiens took, exposed Pio Joseph, who had a bad defensive play, and they beat Casey DeSmith when it counted. And guess what? They won the game 6-4 to four with an empty netter. You make a stupid mistake. You do a defensive breakdown. It kills a team. Bad goaltending also kills a team. We talked about it enough in the first segment. But at the end of the day, look at the last 10 games. This is a good hockey team right now. They're playing well at the right moment. They just need to stop with the stupid mistakes. If they don't beat themselves, they're a tough team to beat. But the problem is they've been beating themselves. And it is and it is not at all like they played a bad game against Montreal. You don't want to give up they that lead. But you know what they did do? They rifled off 43 shots. 43. Yeah. And Sam Moten, but Sam, a lot of numbers, letters, <laughs> letters, uh, turned into God. Like it, there was no other thing we could do about it. It's. I mean, yeah, a lot of them were in his chest, but still, 43 shots. That speaks for itself. It's not like we played a bad game. It's not like they struggled to 
you know, produce offense or struggled to they also they also gave up. I think it was they the Canadians only had eleven shots through the first two periods. Yeah. And it's they have not, four goals. Yeah, we don't talk about that part. But it's <laughs> yeah. not like we were allowing them to attack a lot. We were playing great not great. We were playing enough defense to make sure they weren't getting pucks on that. I would have to look for the blocked shots number, but like there was enough happening that we should have been able to take advantage. And this isn't a game where I'm going to say we got goalied. It was just a game that we let slip away and we just couldn't crawl back. There was a lot going on in that game. And again, none of it felt good for the Penguins. It was definitely a net negative game, but just, you can't say it was a bad game overall. No, you can't say it was a bad game, but you can say it was a bad stretch at the end of the first period when they gave up four straight goals. For sure. Goaltending wasn't good. Team defense wasn't good. You give up four straight goals and you're fighting an uphill battle the rest of the way. And guess what? You gave Sam Montembeau enough time to get hot and to figure things out. Because when a goaltender gets hot in this league, I don't care who it is, it's going to be 10 times harder to beat them. And especially for a team in Montreal that for all of their warts, listen, this is a very shorthanded team that the Pittsburgh Penguins went up against on Tuesday. They played for each other in that game. Marty St. Louis is a pretty good coach. He has them playing the right way. And when they had the lead, yes, the Penguins were dominating them. They were blowing their doors off, but they couldn't get a goal in the back of the net. Why? Because team defense was was playing pretty well, and Sam Montebo was getting hot. I say they got goalied. That I, I say they got goalied in that game. I now early in the game, did it appear like it was going to be that way? No, because the first two goals the Penguins scored were kind of softies. I mean, stopping a ninety mile an hour one timer from Evgeny Malkin is easier said than done, but it seemed like the Penguins were going to score at will. Steve Mears said on the broadcast, "Hey, maybe we see another eight goals. Why? Because that team gave up eight goals the night prior." And guess what? They gave up four still. The Penguins didn't struggle to score goals in that game. They scored four. The problem is they gave up three more than they should have. So I think it's a good team. But I do think that these areas are areas that are so detrimental. Leave goaltending out of it to begin with because that's obviously the most important thing they need to get fixed. But as as far as the forwards and the defensemen and all the skaters, it's a good team. They just cannot make dumb mistakes. They are too good, especially in the top six, to be making stupid mistakes. Right? Drew, Drew O'Connor does it every once in a while. He's young. He's trying to make something happen. He makes some stupid mistakes. But Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, Chris Letang especially, you cannot make these mistakes, guys. Like, you have to play smart hockey before you worry about playing above and beyond ridiculous talented hockey, right? You have to, at the end of the day, have that baseline of, am I making a play that's smart? A lot of passes are no-look passes. Let's just try to throw it through eight different players. Yeah, when it connects, it looks gorgeous. When it doesn't connect, it's a two-on-one the other direction. And most of the time, your defenseman is and goaltender have not been able to, to make that save this year. So, I don't know. I think it's a good team, but I do think... The defensive breakdowns need to be limited. I know you're never going to get rid of all of them. Like It's inherent that players that make defensive breakdowns are not going to just get that out of their game completely, but you can't have it as as many times and as many times in such a short period of time like we saw on Tuesday. Yeah, and it's also the other team's job to force 
defensive breakdowns. Like the, well, the other team correct. is doing their job as well. It's you know who's good at that? Uh, Drew O'Connor forces a lot of defensive breakdowns. Yeah. Sorry, this is just this is a Drew O'Connor podcast now. I hope you know that. Remember when we were the PO the POJ show or the PO show for a the while? The PO show uh, for for two weeks. This was officially the PO show that back was... in uh, his first rookie season of yeah, his three was... that he's had. I can't believe we didn't bring that back whenever he was on that real tear a few months ago. <laughs> thought about it but was just too lazy and didn't want to change all the graphics we also but, didn't talk um, about him enough like we we he was we on that run but we didn't talk about him as much as we did that being said uh yeah it's also the other team's job to force defensive breakdowns you gotta remember there are two teams of companies out there trying to do their jobs mm-hmm. uh just sometimes the other team does it better and so the other company does it better and you can't let your company get down like that so yeah, yeah. i'm still with you here it's you can't allow like defensive breakdowns are gonna happen. You just can't allow them to happen as often. Yeah, uh, the defense can be good. I've been saying it all season. The defense can do it. These are players that have proven to do it, and that certain tweaks can be positive. We we haven't seen those certain tweaks. And uh, as a matter other... of fact, we threw another log into the jam. Thank yeah. you, Dmitry uh, Kulikov. Well, uh, unfortunately, it's gonna be a little hard to play great team defense when you keep sustaining injuries. We'll talk about that and more after the break here. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins. Pittsburgh Penguins are down bad on defense, Horwat. Three defensemen in the past two games have gone down with injury. The only one that we have a definitive timetable for at this very moment is Dmitry Kulikov, the trade deadline addition for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was placed on long-term injured reserve yesterday, retroactive to March 12th. He left the game on Sunday against the New York Rangers with an injury, which puts his earliest potential return at April 6th against the Minnesota Wild. So he's going to be missing three of the final four weeks of the season. So P.O. Joseph, obviously that means that he's going to get the opportunity to jump back in. He made his return on Tuesday. I thought he played pretty well. You know, we talked about him in that last segment a little bit. I I I thought he played pretty well in his return. He did have that one glaring mistake that turned into the game-winning goal for the Montreal Canadiens, but that's what happens on defense. You make one mistake at the most inopportune time, you're going to look like a, a goat and not a good way. Oh, yeah. But but overall, his performance, I thought was really good. I mean, 22 to 9 advantage in shot attempts, 12 to 5 advantage in scoring chances when he was on the ice at even strength, and 68% of the expected goals. So con- compared to what we saw from Kulikov and Ruda, POJ, I thought, looked really good. And then, of course, unfortunately, Jan Ruda, who we'll talk about in a second, goes down with injury in the third period and throws everything into a log jam. Yeah, there was. Um... There was a moment during that game where P.O. Joseph had a great back check and was able to get back into the play from behind to the point where Bob Pompiani sitting next to me just went, I am amazed at these guys' speed sometimes still. Bob Pompiani's been watching this game for a long time, and if he's still amazed by somebody's speed, you know you're doing something right. Yeah, I didn't think P.O. Joseph had all that bad of a game. It was uh, kind of good to see him make a play like that specifically. Then, you know, the defensive breakdown happens, but... Like I said, sometimes the other company is out there trying to do their job. Yeah. And they did it. It was uh, Josh Anderson, whoever it was. Am I even close on saying Josh Anderson? 
Whoever scored that goal. I uh, think it was Josh Anderson. Oh, Anthony Richard. Was it the third Josh period Anderson goal? Josh Anderson made, yeah, Joel, it was the third period goal. Yeah, that one. Yes. So, uh, Anthony Richard. You know, if that's even the correct goal, we're still talking about whatever. That being said, yeah. it was, uh, he, he got behind the got behind his guy. It's what you're supposed yep. to do out there, right? He did it. And a little rookie mistake, a little defensive lapse. Those, things are the, those are the things we are trying to patch up. Worst time for it to happen, but that's yeah. what we're trying to patch up here. So overall, though, that that play aside, decent game. It's the way we look at. It's the way we used to look at Chris Letang for a long time, right? Hey, defensive breakdown, but you know what? He also had three points. So, um, yeah, overall, not a terrible game from Pio Joseph. But then things happened. Oh, so Chris Letang did have three points. I was guessing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with Pio Joseph, you mentioned the one play that obviously a lot of people highlighted mm-hmm. because. It's a really good defensive play. It was a good recovery from P.O. Joseph, which is something that you like to see from these young defensemen, the growth and the ability to, even when they do make mistakes, get out there and cover it up and not allow the opportunity at the end of the day. That was good. I thought a couple of the opportunities that he showed in the offensive zone were pretty good. There was one pinch that he had where it looked like the Canadiens player was going to get it on the far wall and didn't really seem like the puck was going to stay in the zone. And he came out of absolutely nowhere pokes the puck away from him, gets possession, sends it back down low, and and then the Penguins have continued success and continued possession in the Montreal Canadiens zone. It was a pinch that normally you see guys pinching, and you're like, all right, well, yeah, that makes sense. But like you said with Pompiani, the speed at which he got into the frame, he wasn't even in the frame. He gets in the frame, meets the Canadiens player at the puck, and then wins the puck battle. That was good, and also we talked about it before he got in the lineup on Tuesday on the episode, we said he kind of hit a rookie wall when it comes to his puck carrying. He hasn't really been as noticeable with his puck carrying. He's been making that first pass instead of carrying the puck out of the zone. He might be just trying to get through the longest season at the highest level he's ever played. He hit that wall, but he comes back in after a couple games off, and there were a couple of occasions where I was like, all right, this is the P.O. Joseph that we saw when he was playing at the top of his game earlier in the season. So maybe he is back. The question is going to be, what's it look like now that we've seen all these injuries? That's that's the biggest issue. Kulikov, we already talked about. He's going to be out, which means P.O. Joseph is going to be in the lineup. Now, who is going to be on the other side of the ice? That's a massive question mark. Like we said, we'll probably get more answers when the Penguins take the ice at MSG for morning skate. But as of right now, we do not know the status of Jeff Petrie or Jan Ruda, both leaving Tuesday's game with injuries. Like we said, we're going to hear about that, but there's a chance, especially with Kulikov going on LTIR, that we see both Chad Ruweedle and Mark Friedman get to play tonight against the Rangers. Hooray. <laughs> yeah, especially because uh, Ruda and Petrie are both right shots. You, you just want to keep that even. And that's where Ruedel and Friedman step in. A lot of people would say Ty Smith again. Guess what? Left shot defenseman can't necessarily pull that off. Injured. Is he still? Yes. He, he has yet to return from getting hit in the face, I believe, on February 18th with a puck. The real funny thing is he finished that game. That That's what's always confused swelling. me. Swelling. Yeah, you know, the a... swelling hasn't come up yet, so it, it makes it a little easier probably to breathe. I guess. Uh, just That's the real interesting part of that. Uh, but that being said, yeah. <clears throat> a lot of people say Ty Smith hurt and also left side. But then who else you got? 
Who else do you have? Taylor Fadoon? You want to bring that? You want to bring him back up? Well, the answer is obviously going to be Mark Friedman. Yeah. I, I think we all know that. But the hope is that at least one of these guys can go. Um, Jan Ruda, that looked bad, man. When, yeah. when he, he was down on the ice, the way that he was writhing in pain, you hate to see it. And for a second, it was an optical illusion on my, my part because I was looking from an angle at the TV. His leg looked like it snapped. It's not what happened. But I got so scared at that mm-hmm. moment because considering he hadn't moved... I was like, yeah. oh, no, his leg just snapped in half. And then I walked towards the center of the TV, and my fiance said his leg is fine. Um, clearly not well. fine, but he blocked <laughs> the shot. He didn't snap it in half right. like I originally thought. But that didn't look good. I would be vastly surprised if Jan Ruda ended up playing tonight. But I don't know what Jeff Petries was. So, again, can't really discuss it too much. You're probably, as you're hearing this, already going to see the updates. But as of right now... Where we stand at 9.23 a.m. on Thursday, March 26th, Chad Ruedel and Mark Friedman are, in our eyes, likely to be in the lineup tonight. Penguins take the ice in two hours for morning skate. That doesn't mean we're going to get all the answers. Oh, wait, we probably will because they canceled practice yesterday. So everyone should be there today, this morning. So we will see in about two hours who is and isn't there and what statuses are going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And then we yeah. should get word. Actually, with practice being in two hours, we should get word on a call up probably within an hour. Yeah. So we'll we'll end up seeing. I would think that if Friedman gets called up, it doesn't necessarily mean that both guys will be out. Considering Dmitry Kulikov is already injured, I would imagine they they bring up Friedman regardless because they have the space and the ability to, and they still have all three of their call ups. Because Alex Nylander, as we all know, is the emergency call-up, which means he doesn't count towards their three that they have for the rest of the season. No, I have not looked into what any of that means, but yes. I'm okay. S- uh, Crash yeah. course. Crash course. Once the trade deadline is done, the roster limit is out the window. You can have more than 23 players, but you still have to be under the salary cap. And and also, you can only call up three or make three call-ups from the minors. Okay. That's it. That's all it is. Season. They haven't used any of them. And the only other caveat is you cannot send a player down from the NHL unless they were on the AHL roster before the trade deadline, which is why Drew O'Connor got sent down, which is why Mark Friedman got sent down on trade deadline day. That way, if need be, they could send them down again once the season moved past the trade deadline. So those are the that's the crash course of what changed in minor league to NHL call-up situations, the Penguins have three. They haven't used any. They still have four weeks to go. But with both guys injured, we'll see how badly they're injured. But with both guys potentially dealing with injuries, I wouldn't be surprised if Friedman gets called up regardless. Correct. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, we will be back on Tuesday with a full episode of Tip of the Iceberg. But in the meantime, we have an interview with Hunter Hodes coming out tomorrow. We might have some extra bonus content coming out for around the weekend. And of course, Penguins to Go will be back on Monday morning as normally scheduled. But that's going to do it for this one. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you next time.